Italian Wine Podcast. Chin Chin with Italian Wine People. This podcast is brought to you by Lux Wines, importer of fine wines, bringing you exceptional wines from esteemed winemaking families. Allegrini, Argiano, Yerman, Piero Pan, Poggio al Tesoro, Renato Ratti, and Tornatore. Find out more at luxwines.com. Hello, this is the Italian Wine Podcast with me, Monty Warden. My guest today is Felix Yerman. Hello, hello. It's a pleasure to be here. So your family winery is the Yerman Winery? Yes, exactly. Whereabouts are you and why? The family history. We are like quite in a unique place in Italy. Not a lot of people recognize it as Italy. It's uh, right on the northeast uh, side of, uh, of Italy, right on the border with Slovenia and just below Austria. Which is which reason? The Friuli region. Friuli, exactly, yeah. And basically the reason, like, we find each other now in Italy, but uh, it wasn't always Italy. We were used to be underneath the Austrian-Hungarian Empire. And uh, actually my kind of the, the starter of our family, Anton Yerman, uh, he migrated down from Burgenland into Slovenia. So Burgenland is in Austria. Exactly, exactly. And uh, into Slovenia, Biljana, and then moved down to Villanova di Fara, where we have our historic estate now. Was your land originally part of the Austrian Empire? Then? Exactly, exactly. Okay, so that after the First World War in 1919, the Treaty of Trianon, I think I'm correct in saying, as a reward. Uh, to Italy, Italy gained some land from Austria. Exactly, they that, kind of conquered it. They yeah, kind of conquered it so that was where your family's from. So, that's where but do you feel from. more Austrian or Italian, or how you're quite you, with the way? You just look, at, you can't see him, but the way you know you look like you're a very open-minded guy, multicultural. Yeah, just the way you dress. You know, you're not like a formal. You know, you don't like turn up in a suit and a tie. But do you feel more Italian or more Austrian, or or, or just you're you? I'm definitely me. I was that's, fa- that's an understatement. <laughs> I, you know, my family has always been like. Uh, very like attached to the culture of Austria and our Austrian-Hungarian Empire traditions and that reflects also in our wines so we are Italians but we're definitely very different than the normal ones I mean so I'm also blonde headed and like it's, uh, it's people I travel the world and nobody recognizes me as an Italian <laughs> okay so you have an Italian passport with Austrian Austrian blood Exactly. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. Okay. So you mentioned that has an influence on on uh, the grape varieties you work with, and also the wines that you make. So let's just go through the the wines one by one. Are you working with native grape varieties or just you know Chardonnay, Cabernet? We we don't make any Cabernet. We we basically mainly work with native grape varieties because those are the grape varieties that can really excel in our area. And then of course we have some international grape varieties like a Chardonnay, like a Sauvignon, and a Pinot Grigio, which is from Italy, but uh, it's uh, basically produced in a lot of areas of course in our area it's very unique and has a sense of place but uh, the most important variety that represents the area the Friuli in my opinion is the Ribolla Gialla so that's Ribolla Gialla the yellow Ribolla yellow Ribolla yes exactly and how how many different styles of Ribolla Gialla do you make Uh, we currently only make one uh, basically uh, clear vinification you press the grapes you collect the juice you're you not doing a skin contact no skin contact no skin contact Ribolla no Um, why don't you do a skin contact because it has been so trendy to do that in in your region you know these orange wines or yellow wines or whatever whatever you want to call them you know this has not really been part of our uh, of our tradition you know like the skin contact was how like the ancient Romans used to make the wines and uh, at the time it made sense to make it like this now they kind of brought it back to kind of have like a distinct uh, kind of taste a distinct style but we don't identify with this style we our style you know it's uh, very precise uh, clean 
in wines that represent the characteristics of each variety. So you think the skin contact is actually that kind of wine is, is nullifying the varietal characteristic? It gives it gives it other characteristics that uh, are not characteristic we're looking into a wine. So it's uh, so it's what a, are those char- that you're not looking for? The kind of um... well, you know, the Ribolla Gialla is already has a very thick skin, uh, and hence when you actually maturate it, it has uh, a lot of tannins when you when you feel it. And uh, we want to have more of like a round mouthfeel, uh, kind of more smooth with great acidity, but a good structure as well. For us, it's very important that a consumer that um, just like that I myself and you could drink a whole bottle by ourselves and actually finish another one with no not even thinking twice. Should we try? We should. <laughs> but um, and we are really like focused on like the enjoyment of the drink, the drinkiness, and also the ease of drinking our wines. And you're saying that you can't have that ease, or you you find it well. Uh, it's with, it's, with it's the for di- it's for different palates definitely. Yeah. But with the tannins, it has more structure. They're more bold, uh, a little bit heavier wines, and uh, it's as well also with uh, with the aging. It's also different. We believe that in our way, our wine can age much better as well and for longer. Like we right now, uh, Ribolla Gialla 2014, which is like uh, four years old. Uh, it actually shows beautiful right now. We've actually opened some older vintages of Ribolla Gialla uh, from the first ones, like 85, 86, 85. Actually, was a great vintage, and it's with you know with the great acidity, it still shows freshness and vibrance. 85, whereas 86 was a little bit warmer, warmer vintage, so it was a little bit maybe a little bit more oxidized, more mature than it was actually was. But we really have this long-term view on on our wines. You we, look like you're about 15 as well. I mean, you're, where, where were you born? You talk about these wines at 85, like you're some old well, man re- reminiscing about. I remember when my youth. No, I just I'm 22. Oh, I'm 22. 22. 22 yeah. 22, yeah. <laughs> right, so you weren't you were just about born then? No, no, I was like it was like ten years after that. Oh, 1990, come on, yeah. that's a very bad. 1990, mid 1990s. 96, yeah, 96. But you know, we are fortunate enough to have like you know these wines in our cellar. So even though I wasn't born then, I can understand the the vintage and everything through drinking these wines and having their evolution, which is fascinating. Come on, if I if I met you on the street and I look, you know, you know, you're kind of dressed in quite a funky alternative way, and you say you're from Friuli. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I say this guy's gonna make like three skin contact white wines, orange wines, whatever you want to call it, amphora wines, all that kind of stuff. And you're just saying that's just not my cup of tea. It's just that not is not your... a cup of tea, no. You're okay. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Alrighty, so that's the Ribolla Gialla. Do you make, you make a field blend as well? What's that all about? Yes, yeah, so we we make actually two symbolic and like signature wines, which is one is the Vintage Tunina and one is the Capo Martino. They are both field blends in the sense that um, they come from one single vineyard, it's a delimited single vineyard. So that's the name yeah. of the vineyard, is it? Tunina. Vintage Tunina is the name of the wine and actually Tunina was the so to say the first owner Antonia actually the first owner of this one hectare of land which uh, my father and my grandfather acquired in the late 60s and in 1975 my father then decided to vinify it together so collect all of the grapes together all at the same time all one harvest press them together and have all of the vinification process until the bottling together so it's uh, these five grapes are born together they live in the same place in the same vineyard and in the winery they also have the same um, the same treatment they are together so it's a, co- it's a co-fermentation when you ferment everything together yes it's uh, everything is so it's basically pressed together uh, fermentation comes together it's uh, it's a whole big family <laughs> and what, what is it and in terms of style is this like a very rich wine is it a buttery wine is it a really zingy fruity wine what is it it's a very vibrant wine that um, represents has a lot of characteristics from all these five grape varieties which is the Chardonnay the Sauvignon the Ribolla Gialla Malvasia and Piccolita. So all of these five grape varieties add a 
unique note to it, you know. The Sauvignon adds some like elderberry, a uh, touch of white flower with some greenness to it. The Chardonnay as well brings us more vanilla notes, uh, a little bit more roundness to it as well. Malvasia brings aromatics, whereas the Ribolla Gialla brings great acidity and uh, also some citrus notes on the nose. Whereas the Picolit, which is uh, kind of the cutest uh, grape because it's, uh, it's really small. Uh, it's a bit uh, like Piccolo, small. Yeah, small berries. It's small berries, exactly. And normally we make sweet wine out of it, but uh, in this case we blend it together with, uh, with the other four grape varieties. And this one here adds some honey notes, some nectar, also some great roundness in the structure in the wine. So you, you call it Picolit? Picolit, yes. Oh, well, yeah, okay, so it's like a lit at the end. A lit, yeah. Oh, I'd learned something today, yeah, that's good. So Picolite, when you, yeah. so, but is that a dry white bone dry or is that a little bit it's, of residual it's, in there? it's a dry wine it's a dry wine of course it has a little bit of residual you know we vinify it together so it's 75% as stainless steel 25% as in big Slavonian oak 80 hectoliters handmade um, and it's that gives it a little bit more of a character a little bit more of, um, of an elegance a little bit more of a bold character whereas the stainless steel really brings out all of the characteristics from these five grape so, okay more variety. okay so let's talk a little bit about soil types and mm-hmm. terroir microclimate that kind of thing yeah for sure we are very fortunate where we are in Friuli in uh, in the Collio specifically because we have the Alps in the north that are protecting us from the cold weather from the from Austria from the north uh, North Europe but we also have the uh, Adriatic Sea so that we have a continental kind of climate but the Adriatic Sea also brings some Mediterranean vibes to it and we have this special wind which is called Bora the Bora wind Bora wind I don't know if you heard about it but uh, is that a dry wind or a mountain wind or a it's actually a wind coming from the east and actually blows away a lot of the the humidity a lot of the clouds so the east we go how far east are we going like poland russia like is it a very cold wind it's uh, cold and dry it's a, it's a very strong wind a very strong wind and it's dry definitely and it's great during actually uh, when we're harvesting because thanks to this wind our fruits our grapes can stay very healthy they are dry and uh, we can actually leave the fruit sometimes longer on the vine to mature if needed so you're saying like the picolit, so it can, it, if you pick it late and then let it shrivel a little bit? Well, normally the picolit is one of the latest uh, grapes that it's picked. It's actually, we normally finish the harvest with uh, with picolit. But in the style of Vintage Tunina, it's picked all together. So it's uh, kind of late later on to on the harvest, uh, but it's one day harvest. What about soil types? Soil types? I find Friulian soils very difficult to get to grips with, if I'm being honest. <laughs> Help me understand them. Uh, so the name of it is called Ponca. Ponca? Ponca. Uh, it's like a Pokemon. <laughs> um, it's funny because like I've been taking around my Ponka with me. I thought you should be taking around your Pokemon with you. <laughs> I was I was taking my Ponka around with me uh, during my last trip uh, in the US. And so just uh, okay, as in a bit of soil. Yes. Uh, right. Do they let you in with that? That's um, a bit. They probably, they, they that kind of thing they get really grumpy about. They yeah. do. They yeah, do. It's, uh, they, I don't know. They close an eye for me, I guess. <laughs> but um, you take a bit of the Ponka with you. I took the Ponka and they called me Ponka for okay. the longest time but that's just a little joke apart uh, regarding the soil type exactly it's uh, milestone and sandstone so it's uh, sedimentary sands that are compressed together uh, they come in layers so the first layer uh, on the surface is very friable uh, it's been consumed by the weather conditions and worked by, the, by, by us you know uh, when you go underneath though you find harder layers and uh, the characteristic of the ponca is that it, it traps the humidity between the layers so you have a harder layer and a little bit of a soft layer and a hard layer again and uh, you know, on the hillside we normally don't irrigate so that the vine has to be a little bit more under stress it concentrates its energy on fewer grapes so the grapes itself at the end come more juicy
juicy, more rich, more flavorful. So the, the root finds the, the water between, between these, these layers. If not, we would have to irrigate or would be like a whole different, whole different experience. So I may be wrong, but what I imagine with this kind of soil, and it happens with other ones as well, is rather than going straight down, the roots will have to go down a little bit and then say horizontally to find a gap and then go down again and then horizontally again. They basically, f- they, f- they find, they find their, their ways in, in, yeah, in the earth. Yeah, to, make, to, to, to say if they need to go, say, one metre down, mm-hmm. they're actually going to make a root that's maybe two metres long, is that right? They definitely have very long roots and actually we, um, we make it that way as well because the, the further, deeper they can go, the more, uh, the more nutritious they can be, so the more energy they can have from the earth and the more water they can actually have as well. And there's less, uh, less heat stress. Exactly. So basically yeah. what you say, if, if I have one of your wines and, I, and, I, and you say, Monty, what do you think about it? I say, I felt, oh, it was a little bit baked, a bit overripe. You're not going to be very happy, are you? No, no, yeah. it's, it doesn't happen with us. Okay, there you go. <laughs> well, uh, That's good know, also in terms of... If you know, like vintage, maybe 2003 and 2007, which were like extremely hot. like hot vintages for our area. Then right now the wines, like a vintage Tunina, which, as I was telling you, 86 as well, would show more than it's, than it's supposed to be. Uh, whereas a vintage 14, which was very wet, uh, very humid, right now it's actually showing uh, showing brilliantly because of the high acidity, it gives it a long life. So just give us a few food matches with uh, your wines. Vintage Tunina is like one of my favorite and it's definitely the most representative of the of our winery. My favorite pairing is actually pasta with truffle. So when the truffle season is out, uh, I definitely recommend that. And that starts well in late October? Late October, yeah. Uh, then I don't know, I think she's like... How much, do you have white truffles or dark truffles up there? Uh, we yeah. actually, we don't really have truffles in our area. There's some truffles that come from Croatia and Slovenia. So the white ones, yeah. I would tell you wrong. Yeah, I think the white ones, yeah. I love truffles. I don't have them too much, but uh, the pairing goes beautiful with the tunina. Mm-hmm. And whereas the ribolla gialla we were talking before, that one actually goes beautifully with an aperitif, so aperitif kind of style. So just um, on, on its own? Or? On its own, because it's you not, know, it's like, it also has less alcohol of all of them, 12 and a half, but the high, high acidity really works well on a hot summer day. And if you would pair it with something, the acidity also works very well with crudo, so with prosciutto, or also like raw fish. And some sushi would go beautifully with that, or just like some, um, you know, ceviche as well. Uh, the acidity really cuts through the kind of the oiliness of the, of the crude fish. Okay, I've got a letter in my hand which says that unfortunately the German family has to move again. <laughs> uh, which has to move, sorry. Um, I don't think it's going to happen. No, I know it's okay, <laughs> but I say, right, so where would you, if you had to be parachuted into another wine region somewhere, because you're quite a crazy kid, right? You look like you're yeah. an adaptable guy <laughs> and you could do it. Where would I, where would I parachute you, you into? Would, you would throw me into the Wachau. Oh, the Wachau, yeah, Vajau, okay. Yeah, so that's a region in Austria. A region in Austria, yeah, where they make beautiful, beautiful Rieslings. Actually, um, you know, my father made a wine for each of their sons, family members. We have a wine in memory of our grandparents. And so my father actually made me taste when I was just a couple of months old a Riesling from. Uh, and you remember our, it? From our Riesling. I actually don't remember <laughs> it at all. That's what my father told me. But hence uh, he dedicated uh, a Riesling to me and we make an Affix Riesling, which is the combination of my two names, Alois and Felix Affix. And um, since then I always I always really enjoyed the Rieslings, like the Affix Spiechler, Affix Spiechler or the Knoll are just fabulous wines, you know, especially they're top of the range. The 
Smarak uh, selection. It's um, you know they're very rich, have great character, um, great acidity, but also some uh, interesting uh, kind of like um, textures, textures, and also uh, almost these honey notes with the minerality and you know, some petroleum going on, because they're also a little bit pick later. They have a little bit more of the sugar in it, so it's a little bit more of a full uh, reasoning. Okay, now does you, you you wear glasses? I, I'm not wearing mine, but I do wear glasses because I'm getting old and uh, forgetful. <laughs> and uh, so you uh, do a thing called virtual reality, don't you? Yes. Can yes. you just set that up? We're going to do another podcast on that. We are. It's uh, actually it was a really really cool experience we did um, with. Uh, with our whole family actually and we actually captured some great moments uh, it's it's crazy like we actually captured like uh, some of the last moments of my grandfather in the winery with, with us and it was very special so after, actually after like a month or two he passed away after that so it's, it's mm-hmm. definitely it's capturing some great moments of our family of our vineyards you can see our winery even though if you really want to see your winery and understand who we are you should come and visit us in Friuli so but just the virtual what does that actually mean you got some glasses so on so basically uh, what are we doing uh, right now it's a trailer of the full experience and this will be basically um, you basically you are followed you have a journey into our vineyard into our family history into our cellar and into our wines and after that you'll be able to taste after the virtual reality it's like tastes like six minutes you'll be able to taste the vintage tunina and the dreams which is a, a chardonnay based uh, crew wine of ours but uh, that's just the intro the full experience can last 20 minutes and you'll be able to choose from the winery to the vineyards to the family to our hospitality to our kitchen uh, that we have like all local ingredients with my grandmother's recipes so it's definitely a full experience of our winery if you're not be- if you're not able to come to so it so you basically put these glasses on it's not yeah. like a video though is it no no because literally if you turn around everywhere you turn around you are you're basically there and there's some drone footages uh, where you're like flying over our vineyards and like if you look down you see the vineyards and like literally you feel like you're flying so you're flying over our vineyards and when you ha- when you're in the winery, you can see all three six around you, up, down, left, right. You see us talking. You see your family. You see you can like you can almost touch the barrels. It's uh, it's fascinating. Cool. Okay. So we'll do. Should we do another podcast on that? We should. I, I would love to. <laughs> okay. So I want to say thanks to my guest, Alois Felix Yerman. Mm-hmm. Thank for, you, Monty. And we're going to do another podcast to talk a little bit about virtual reality in his estate. Beautiful. <laughs> Thank you, Monty. Cool. Gotcha. Look forward to doing the next one. Ciao. 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 This podcast has been brought to you by Lux Wines, importer of fine wines, bringing you exceptional wines from esteemed winemaking families. Allegrini, Argiano, Yerman, Piero Pan, Poggio al Tesoro, Renato Ratti, and Tornatore. Find out more at luxwines.com. Follow Italian Wine Podcast on Facebook and Instagram.